Well, I am really excited about our time together this morning. This is the last message in our series on the book of Jonah, and this service is going to be different. And so I want to walk you through what we're going to do uh, this morning. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to read the story. Okay, I'm going to read the story. We've been talking about the book of Jonah is similar to a four-act play. Over the last 10 weeks, we've been looking at sections of these acts, different scenes, we call them. This, this morning, we're going to look at the whole book in its entirety. We're going to look at the whole thing, all 48 verses over four chapters. It'll take me about six minutes to read, but I'm going to read the story. So we'll do that first. I'm going to read the story. And then second, we're going to review the story. What is the message of the book of Jonah? How does that message play out in the four acts? What are we to take away from the story in Jonah's life? So I'm going to read it. We're going to review it. And and then I'm going to invite you to respond to it. And here's how we're going to respond to it. There's a card in your program. You don't have to get it out right now, but there's a card in your program. I'll I'll point your attention to at the end. And I'm going to ask you just to write down one thing that God's been teaching you through the story of Jonah, just one thing. Might have a bunch of things in your mind, just be one. Don't have to be here for all 10 sessions to think about what God might be teaching you. I'll give you some context for that. I'll share a few examples and, and, and I don't think it will be hard, especially after we soak in the story for a little while this morning. And then we're gonna take that card and I'm gonna ask several of you in the room, we did this last night, we did it this morning. I'm gonna ask several of you in the room just to stand up where you are and, and read your card. Just read, read your card. It may sound scary to some of you. I, I get that. I, I don't think it will be. It takes about 15 seconds to read a sentence, maybe 10 seconds. I, I don't think it will be. I hope it won't be. You certainly don't have to do it. You don't have to. But I'm going to ask several of you if you would, and here's why. Here's why. I, I believe that what God is teaching us through the book of Jonah is, is certainly not just for Jonah, but it's for us. And it's not just that we might learn about Jonah's life, but that we might hear collectively at, at what God's doing in our lives, what God's doing in us, how he's changing us, how he's shaping us, how he loves us, how he pursues us, his, his grace toward us. And here's what I think will happen. I, I think this will be true. I, I think that what we see to be true about God and Jonah some 2,800 years ago when Jonah walked on this earth, I think we're gonna hear the same things to be true about God today. Going to hear those same things to be true, and I think that will lead us to a place where we want more of him, which, of course, is the purpose of any message at Fellowship. And so I'm going to invite you to help me finish the message, help me tell the story in your own words, and I think we'll be deeply encouraged by it. Now, when I have been looking at the message this week, the passage, what's the message of the book of Jonah, you know, just hit me this week and it's been true all the way through. It's, it's like, you can't talk about the message without talking about the messenger, the messenger Jonah. It's the only book in the Old Testament, the only prophetic book in the Old Testament that actually focuses on the life of the prophet. It's, it's not about what the prophet says. That's the other prophetic books in the Bible. This is about the prophet himself, Jonah himself, and his life is the message. And, and so as I read here in just a minute, I'm going to ask you just to listen to the story. It's not very long. Just listen to the story. Put your Bible down. Put your study booklet down. Just, just listen to the story and pay attention to the life of Jonah. Pay attention to his words, his actions, his decisions, his circumstances, his emotions, his 
relationships. And let's learn from his life one last time, okay? Listen carefully as I read our story from the book of Jonah. Act, chapter, act, act 1, Jonah chapter 1, Act 1, here it is. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, found a ship, paid the fare, and went from the presence of the Lord. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. The sailors became afraid and every man cried to his God. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, lain down and fallen asleep. The captain of the ship approached him and he said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up and call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Each man said to his mate, come, let us cast lots that we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. And the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, tell us now, what is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He said to them, I am Hebrew. And I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men became extremely frightened and said, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And they said to him, What should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you. However, the men rowed desperately to return to land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier still. They called on the Lord and said, we earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life and do not put innocent blood on us for you have done as you have pleased. And they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly and they offered a sacrifice and made vows to worship him. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Act 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. He said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. For you, God, had cast me into the deep, and the current engulfed me. Your breakers and billows, they passed over me. I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Water encompassed me to the point of death. Weeds wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains, but you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. Act 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Arise, 
Go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Jonah began to go throughout the city, and he cried out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And when he did, the people of Nineveh believed in God. They called a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he covered himself with sackcloth and sat on the ashes. He issued a proclamation, and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth and let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. And when God saw their deeds, that they had turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared, and he did not do it. Act four. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents concerning calamity. Now, Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. Lord said, do you have good reason to be angry? And Jonah went out from the city, and he set east of it. He made a shelter. He sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew up to be shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm and it attacked the plant and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head. He became faint and he begged to die saying, death is better to me than life. Then God said, do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And Jonah said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work or caused to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand? And that's it. The book of Jonah just stops. With God's question hanging what is Jonah going to do now? What is Jonah going to say next? What happens next? There, Micah chapter 1. There, there is no answer. There's no answer. It's like, I, I just wish there were one more verse, just one. It's just it's like this, like maybe something like, like, and then Jonah finally got it. Oh, yes, yeah, sweet. Thank you. Oh, there's resolve. Jonah understood that he was just like the Ninevites, that he needed grace and compassion too, fell on his face and 
repented for his self-righteousness and worship God. That, that's how I want the book of Jonah to end. Or, or at least this, and God said, should I not be compassionate on the Ninevites? And Jonah said again, no, you shouldn't be compassionate on the Ninevites and I don't want your compassion either. And then the Lord threw Jonah back into the sea and this time he drowned, like the end. Like, that would at least be closure, right? Just closure. No, not what happens. The, the text is just hanging. It's just there. And here's why. Lloyd said it two weeks ago. It's because the question is not just for Jonah, it's for us. You know, remember, God, God, when he asks a question in the Bible, he's not like asking Jonah, hey, Jonah, should I be compassionate? No, God, God knows what he wants to do. It, it's a question for us. It's an invitation for us. What's the question for us? It's Will you be compassionate as God is compassionate toward people? Will, will you and I be compassionate? Not, not for the plant, not, not for the shade, not compassionate for the things that make us comfortable and happy like Jonah, but for the thing, for the, the one thing that matters most to God. Will you be compassionate as God is compassionate to all people, undeserving people, to wicked people? What's the message of the book of Jonah? Well, it's found in the question. It's found in what the question exposes about Jonah's life and ours. So here's one way to say it. God is gracious and compassionate to all. Jonah doesn't get it, will you? It's one way to say it. God is gracious and compassionate to all people, wicked people, sinful, disobedient people, selfish people, all people, undeserving people. Jonah clearly does not get it, will you? Now, I need to add to that, and here's why. A, a yes answer to that question is not sufficient. Can't ask that question, will, will you? Yes, no, that, that actually won't work. And here's why, you see, Jonah... He believes that God is gracious and compassionate. Even Jonah does. He said that in chapter four, verse two, I knew you would be gracious and compassionate to the Ninevites, but just because Jonah knows about God's compassionate heart doesn't mean that Jonah has acquired God's compassionate heart. Those are two completely different things. Jonah doesn't even come close to God's compassionate heart. In fact, Jonah rejects God's grace and compassion. Remember this, God's grace is what makes him angry. And herein lies the interesting twist in the book of Jonah. It's not just that Jonah rejects it. Not just that Jonah won't get it. It's that Jonah can't get it. What I'm suggesting to us this morning is that it is impossible for Jonah to reflect God's gracious and compassionate heart. And the reason it is impossible is because he is unwilling to accept the precursor to it. What's a precursor to it? Here it is. The only possible way to express God's compassionate heart toward others is to first be transformed at a heart level by God's radical grace and unlimited compassion for you. See, only possible way to express God's grace and compassion is to be fully 
embrace by, to fully embrace yourself, to acquire, to accept, to drink deeply of God's radical grace and boundless love for you, which is something that Jonah is totally unwilling to do, right? See, to accept that, Jonah would have to admit that he is undeserving. That is grace by definition. It's undeserved, undeserved favor in the face of God's wrath. Jonah would have to admit that he is undeserving, just like the Ninevites. And we know from the story that he's far too self-righteous, far too deserving in his own mind to ever admit that. So when God pursues him with a storm, a storm we called God's grace, it's the sailors who get it, not Jonah. It's the sailors who turn to God, who repent, who worship God. It's the sailors who actually have compassion on Jonah, even though it's Jonah's fault that their ship is getting torn up by the storm. Jonah doesn't have compassion, sailors do. And when, and when God saves Jonah with the fish, act two, this radical, crazy, ridiculous means of God's grace through a fish, no less, when God does that, Jonah doesn't even repent for running from him. In fact, Jonah uses his prayer, we studied this, he uses his prayer as a recipient of God's favor to show himself as better than those who he believes are undeserving recipients of God's favor. The prayer is all about him. And then when God uses him in Nineveh, he goes, God uses him in Nineveh in what is one of the, literally one of the greatest redemptive moments on the face of the planet. Hundreds of thousands of people, everyone in the city, men, women, and children, turn to God. They believe in God. It's like this is it, a preacher's greatest dream. What does Jonah do? He gets angry. Why is he angry? Because grace is offensive to the self-righteous. That's why. And then in the end, when God paints him this real life picture, he paints him this real life picture, a plant, a worm, and a wind. Grace, 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 to show Jonah that even with all this craziness in Jonah's life, God's grace and compassion, his love, still applies to him. Jonah still doesn't get it. He can't get it. He can't offer God's grace to others because he won't embrace God's grace for him. So what's the message of the book of Jonah? I wrote it this way. God is gracious and compassionate to all. And the only way for my heart to reflect his is to fully embrace and be transformed by his radical grace and relentless love for me. You cannot give what you do not have. Can't do it. I was thinking about a way to illustrate this this week and I had this idea, and so I got on eBay, and I, I ordered an oxygen mask, an airline oxygen mask. And so I got it ordered, and our eBay account's in Hillary's name, and so the email confirmation for the order came to her, and she's like, oxygen mask, what in the world, you know? And so she kind of puts two and two together. She figures it out it's for the weekend, and she comes to me, and she says this. She said, you know that Lloyd used this exact same illustration this summer in the message on parenting, Right? which of course I didn't know that. I wasn't here for Lloyd's message on parenting. I didn't go back and listen to Lloyd's message on parenting, which I'm sure was fabulous. I, 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 I didn't do that, but I did find out that Lloyd, when he did the illustration, he, he didn't have the prop. So, so I have the prop. 
So here comes the illustration again, this time about God's love, right? Okay, here we go. I'm just glad Lloyd primed the pump for me. Here's the illustration. What does the flight attendant say about the oxygen mask? She say, you got to put it on yourself first. That's right. She says this. She's like, whoop, thing comes down. She smiles. Hey, everybody. If the cabin begins to lose pressure, take the oxygen mask, put it on your nose and mouth first before you assist your children or someone who needs assistance. You can't offer the oxygen to someone else unless you're drinking deeply of the oxygen yourself first. Can't can't offer the oxygen to somebody else if you are passed out on the seat, right? Can't give what you don't have. Only way to give God's love away is if we are drinking deeply of God's love for us first. And when we drink deeply of God's love for us, when that fills our hearts, when that changes us, when that just starts bubbling up out of us, when when that is full, when God transforms us, then I can offer that same oxygen to someone else. My love for people flows. It just flows from God's love for me. And if I'll drink deeply of it, if I'll drink long enough, I'll drink long enough of God's love, his grace, his compassion for me. He's crazy about us. If I'll do that, if I'll spend enough time right there, then, this is what's amazing, then my thoughts, my words, my actions, my life, my heart is transformed in my love toward others, even the undeserving. This is where this this book, this story is just really, really messing with me. uh, uh, this week I realized that I've spent the last 10 weeks reading and studying this book and the whole time I've been studying it, I, I've been seeing two different kinds of people in the text, two different people in the text. Like the, those who don't know God, the Ninevites, and, and those who do, or, or at least one who does, Jonah. been looking at Jonah and the Ninevites as different. And I realized this week, it, it's not that we're different and we need to offer more compassion to one another. The point of the whole text is that we're the same. You see, there's just one kind of people on this planet Earth, just one, undeserving people. That's it. Rebellious people. Selfish, wicked, sinful people. The story of Jonah is about how Jonah is just like the Ninevites and how we are just like Jonah. And now maybe there's two kinds of selfishness on this earth. There's the one that just goes crazy and says, I have the right to do whatever I want to make myself comfortable and happy. That's one kind of selfishness. And then the other is, I'm gonna follow all the rules so that God will approve of me and he will give me what I want. He will make me comfortable and happy. So maybe there's two kinds of selfishness, one that is licentious and one that is legalistic. But hear me, there is only one kind of people, one, undeserving people. And if we will embrace that to be true for us, for me, if you will embrace that to be true for you, that that, that what you deserve in your sin, however it looks, that what you deserve in your sin is God's wrath, but that you also embrace that your whole life, God has been relentlessly pursuing you from the moment you set foot on this earth for your whole life to give you the very thing that you need, that you desperately need, his grace. 
oxygen for your soul, then you can't help but see others in the same boat. Then you will do what you are made to do. And that is to fulfill the call of God on your life, which is to offer that same grace and that same compassion to others. Okay? That's the message of the book of Jonah. So we've read it, we've reviewed it, and now I want us to respond to it. And here's how I want you to take out that card. It looks like this. It's in your program. Card says Jonah at the top. Everybody take this out if you... Do they get a program? It's just a, a card with some lines on it. You can, you can write your answer on your phone or you can just think about it in your head. But for those of us who have them, take this card out and, and I want you to take just a minute. And here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to take a minute and, and just write down one thing that God is teaching you through the story of Jonah. That's it. Just one thing. It may not be the only thing that comes to your mind, but just write down one. One, one thing that you're gonna take away from this study. One thing that God's showing you about himself, his character, his grace, his love, his sovereignty, his purpose in all things. One thing that you're learning about you, your selfishness, your self-righteousness, your lack of faith, your, maybe your joy, your hope. One thing that you're learning about you, it could be that. One thing that God is doing to transform your heart and align it with his If it helps, you can write this sentence at the top. God is teaching me that, and then just finish the sentence. God is teaching me that, fill in the blank. While you're writing, I'll I'll share these. We did did this in a meeting this week. I kind of commandeered a meeting for about five minutes and said, hey, can we try something for this weekend? And, And I had everybody, just no context, write down one thing God's teaching you. And here are a few of those. They may help you as you think about yours. Here's one. God is teaching me that my self-righteousness makes me miserable and his grace sets me free. God is teaching me to repent and mean it. God is teaching me that I care more about me than others. God is teaching me that being one step ahead of God is not where he wants me to be and to truly experience his grace is to humbly be one step behind following where he asked me to go. What's one thing that God's teaching you? Take just a minute and write it down. Now I'm gonna ask a bunch of us just to stand up and read your card, just, just to read your, your sentence. We got guys with mics, they'll walk around too. You can just pop up in your chair and read your sentence and then sit, sit right back down. I'd love to hear from a bunch of you. We got eight or nine minutes here. We'll just get as many as we possibly can. There's a guy ready right there. Let me give just two or three quick instructions. We'll start with you. Um, number one, the card is short for a reason, okay? <laughs> just read your card. If you wrote on the front back of your card, doesn't mean to, get you to read both sides of your card, okay? Got people manning the mics in case you launch into a mini sermonette. So the card is short. Read your card. Second, um, let me just free us all up for a minute. Your card does not have to be perfect. Your sentence doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't even have to be different than the guy that just went before you. If God would see fit that a bunch of us would be learning the same thing and that would be a theme in this church, that's where God's leading us, to him be the glory. That'd be beautiful. So please don't fret over your sentence. And then third, there's a 
a phrase at the end just says, my God is gracious and compassionate to all. And I'm just going to ask you as you read your sentence to finish by reading that phrase. So you read your sentence and then say, my God is gracious and compassionate to all. And then sit down. Remember the purpose of this is so that we can see and hear what God's doing in the body. Where he's alive, where he's active, where he's moving, where he's pursuing, where he's changing us and leading us to have hearts that are aligned with his, made more into the image of his son. So let's read together. Start with you. I learned that, uh, that, when, God's, that when God calls you to him, it is not always what we think we need, but what he knows will bring us to him. Mm-hmm. My God is a gracious and compassionate God. Yes, he is. Thanks. Somebody else pop up. Yeah, right here. Like Nineveh, bring revival to my heart, my family, our church, our country, that only you can do. My God is gracious and compassionate to all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact that God's grace is prevalent through good times and bad proves that it is crucial to trust his guidance because he is all-knowing, all-loving, and forever merciful. My God is gracious and compassionate to all. Mm-hmm. God's teaching me to look, see, and accept how he is actively pursuing me. What you said about incapability reminds me that how necessary it is for me to ask for God's help in order to be, um, to receive his love and be able to give it as well, because I can't do it by myself. My God is gracious and compassionate. Yes, he is. Thanks. God is teaching me to be less selfish and to open myself to others and accept those around me and to think lesser of myself. My God is gracious and compassionate to all. I am a sinner saved by grace. My God is gracious and compassionate to all. The reality of authentic love far outweighs the perception of it. My God is gracious and compassionate to all. Mm-hmm. God is teaching me that grace doesn't always look like relief or peace. My God is gracious and compassionate yeah. to all. Grace doesn't always look like relief or peace. Mm-hmm. The gospel started in the Old Testament. My God is gracious and compassionate to all. Yes, it did. <laughs> we must fully embrace God's radical compassion and grace for ourselves in order to share God's true love with others. My God is gracious and compassionate to all. God is teaching me to identify my idols, and that's anything that I love more than Jesus and to turn from them toward God's grace, compassion, and abounding love. My God is gracious and compassionate to all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
God is teaching me to search my heart and become aware of who I have already judged to be undeserving of God's grace. My God is gracious and compassionate to all. Thanks for sharing that. God is teaching me that I cannot serve two masters. I cannot be codependent on other people. I'm a daughter to him first. I cling to him first so that I can be a godly woman to others. My God is gracious and compassionate to all. Thank you. I am Jonah. My God is gracious and compassionate to all. (laughs) Really true. The many aromas of God's grace, the storm, fish, plant, worm, wind, he relentlessly pursues the heart. My God is gracious and compassionate to all. God is teaching me, if I'm doing what God asked me to do, then it doesn't matter what happens in my life. My God is gracious and compassionate to me. God is teaching me not to consider the amount of compassion required, but just that compassion is required. My God is gracious and compassionate to all. Thanks. God is teaching me that I am like Jonah, and he gave us that story to be what are we going to do next I have that compassion in me because I have God's love and I just need to be always reminded to extend that compassion to all Mm -hmm. my God is gracious and compassionate to all yes he is we got time for three or four more who wants to go God is teaching me that it is impossible to outrun God's love reach. And because of that, our response must be to love his people, Mm. to whom much is given, much is expected. Mm. My God is gracious and compassionate to all. Thank you. God desires true repentance and complete reliance on him, not self-righteous praise. My God is gracious and compassionate to all. Yes, he is. My God's plans are so great that they cannot be thwarted by my disobedience. Hmm. My God is gracious and compassionate to all. Could y'all hear that? God's plans are so great that they cannot be thwarted my, by my disobedience. Right over here. David, can you get there? Right there. See here. God is teaching me that I need God to give compassion to others. My God is gracious and compassionate to all. Yes. Not missing anybody, am I? Anybody want to share theirs? Good. Let me share mine. It says this, God is teaching me that I am no different than anybody else. And even in all my inadequacy and anxiety, 
His patience never runs dry and he loves me like crazy. When I think about what we just shared, just on the moment, and what that reflects throughout the body, throughout a service last night and earlier this morning, one coming later and down at Franklin, when I think, think about what God's doing in us, it's a powerful picture of his love, is it not? His grace, his pursuit. We said at the very beginning of this series that this crazy little story might surprise us. It might sneak up on us. It, it certainly has me. And we said at the end, of, at the, actually at the beginning of this, this Jonah study booklet, letter on the first page, we said that our hope when we're done, that when we think of Jonah, that the first thing that would pop into our head would be awe, and the second would be worship. And when I listen to what you just said, when I think about what's true in my own life, I thought about this moment even this week, that, that is exactly what pops into my head. We serve an awesome God. Awesome God. He is beyond compare. And his love, his pursuit, I mean, his patience with me, his patience with you. He fills us up that we might be used by him. What a privilege to be filled up and sent out. It's incredible we serve an awesome God and We thought it only fitting to conclude our series, to finish our series and to conclude our service by worshiping him. Would you stand and join us as we close?